Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. My name is John Bush, and I'm super excited to be sharing some super important information with you guys today. We are going to be talking about intergenerational freedom. Intergenerational freedom. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean creating lasting freedom for generations to come. I'm talking about some big picture stuff where we can act today so as to create greater opportunity for freedom for, for freedom for future generations to come. And I think that's a grand noble mission. Oftentimes people get stuck in the day-to-day in the just monotony of life and they focus so much on surviving and what are we going to do to make ends meet and stress in the moment and difficult relationships and this and that about what the government's doing right so i want to encourage people and i want to challenge people to think bigger to pay more attention to how their actions today affect the future generations to come. It's actually something we're going to spend a lot of time on. So I'm going to share four different ways that we can create lasting intergenerational freedom, not just for ourselves, not just for our children, but for the future generations to come. So I want to thank you for joining us. I haven't done a Live Free Now podcast in quite some time, so shout out to the folks that are listening on the podcast. You can sign up for the podcast at livefreenow.show, livefreenow.show. I am going to spend some time encouraging you to check out the upcoming summit that we're putting together with Live Free Academy. It's called the Free the Children Homeschool Summit. Free the Children Homeschool Summit. Let me just show you that right here. You can register absolutely for free at livefree.academy slash free the children. That's livefree.academy slash free the children. It's taking place July 14th at 11 a.m. We'll go all day, just about 11 a.m. to 4 or so. That's central time. We're going to be spending some time talking about why government schools are designed, specifically their actual intent and meaning from their genesis, uh, to control, to create good citizens and good factory workers, right? Because it really came about during the Industrial Revolution. Life has changed. Times have changed. Education should change, too. We're going to break that down, and we're also going to spend time sharing how homeschooling and unschooling are viable alternatives. We're going to be joined by Richard Grove. He spent a lot of time with John Taylor Gatto before he died, documenting his work. Of course, he wrote uh, The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America, The Underground History of American Education. Carrie McDonald, she is with the Foundation uh, for economic education does a lot of great work when it comes to unschooling which is more like child-led or life-led learning jack spirko homeschools his grandkids our good friend david rodriguez uh, amani she's a homeschool mom as well as is Brittany j and vivian is a unschool mom we're going to share all that stuff july 14th i hope you'll join us it's completely free to join again you can sign up at livefree.academy slash free the children livefree.academy slash free the children i am monitoring the chat so let me hear where you're coming from in the comments. I know that we have a global audience uh, and also audience that stretches all across the United States of America. So I want to thank you for tuning in. I'd love to hear if you have your kids in government school, if you are homeschooling, if you're unschooling, if you've had some ups, if you've had some downs. I have two children, they're nine and 10 years old and 
Boy, oh boy, has our homeschooling journey been, uh, been quite the struggle. But I've learned a whole lot from it, and uh, I want to share some of my struggles, some of my ups and downs. But let's get right down to it. Oh, we got somebody chiming in for Orlando, the lovely state of Florida. I'm a big Florida fan. In fact, we're going there uh, just in a week or so to do an event with Grant Cardone. All right, so four simple and powerful ways that you can create intergenerational freedom. Four simple yet powerful ways to create intergenerational freedom. And let me just share real quick about the title. These ways are powerful. They are going to make big change in the world. And the word simple, I want to be very clear that while it may be simple, the understanding, what I'm going to convey, it's definitely not easy, right? But nobody said it was going to be easy. Parenting is extremely challenging, and then homeschooling is challenging as well. But we face a lot of challenges in this world these days. And like Thomas Paine said, the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. He also said, that which we obtain too lightly, we esteem too cheaply. So I always keep that stuff in mind. It's, you know, it's important that we take stock of the work that we're doing in the world and recognize that even though it may be difficult and challenging, it's absolutely critical and fundamental. And so I want to encourage people, I'm going to encourage people to, to not give up, to persist, because we never truly fail unless we give up, right? And that goes with our struggle for freedom, raising healthy, independent, critical thinking kiddos, and living a good life in general. Oh, we got Jeremy Stewart chiming in. He says, hey, John Bush, I'd love to give the attendees of this conference a free digital download of my class dismissed film. Better yet, why don't we have you speak at the summit? Uh, we'll do the download for everyone as well. I really appreciate that. But um, somebody actually reached out and mentioned you. And uh, I know that we know each other from back in the Rethinking Everything day. So if you are available July 14th, I'd love to have you participate. And this is great. I need to do my shows more often. I try to do them once a week, but man, life happens. All right, so let's Let's get right down to it. Four simple yet powerful ways that we can create intergenerational freedom. If you're just joining us, thank you so much for tuning in. So the first thing is I want to encourage you to think big, to think long term, all right? There's this thing that Derek Bros shares often, and he got it from some indigenous culture here in the, in the U.S., I think it was, and it is that we should act today with a mind towards how our actions and decisions in the present moment affect the future seven generations to come. And whenever I heard him say that, it must have been at the, one of the first Greater Resets or the second Greater Reset, which, by the way, the Greater Reset uh, 4, we got some big announcements coming up, so be on the lookout for that. You can sign up to learn more about that at thegreaterreset.org. Thegreaterreset.org. Shout out if you're joining us from that audience. When I heard that, I was like, man, that's, that's deep. That's profound. Seven generations. That's a lot, of, a lot of time, a lot of people, a lot of circumstances, a lot of life events. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of smiles, a lot of frowns, a lot of struggle, a lot of triumph. Seven generations. What is it? I guess every generation is like 20 or 30 years or something. So that's like 200 years or so. That's hardcore. And so if you can act with mindfulness, right? And like I shared at the onset, a lot of people 
are just carrying out a program or there's so much busyness and stress in their lives that they do not take the time to reflect. They don't take the time to be mindful and to be conscious of the way that they're acting. And not only how it may affect the future seven generations to come, but how it may affect other human beings. Or, as parents, how our behavior may affect our children. Quick note on that, like, having kids is just such deep, reflective self-development work. It's so powerful and profound. And I had a realization when, when my kids were real young, just when I had my first kid, not even the second kid, just right away, it's like, wow. They are a little reflection of me. They're little mini-me's. And a lot of people like to push blame or try to step into a controlling paradigm. But when we take responsibility for our actions and our behavior, the way that we show up in the world, the way we interact with other humans, the way that we interact with our children, the way we hold ourselves, when we take responsibility for that, we come to find that a lot of times when kiddos are misbehaving, it has to do with something that the parents have done whether it's modeling negative behaviors, whether it's giving them a 50 gram of sugar soda, right? Whether it's expecting them to stay still and sit in silence and ask for permission to do everything for a seven hour day at school or eight hours, I don't know how long it is these days. So uh, just a quick digression, but I wanna encourage you to, to, to adopt mindfulness, right? Through meditation practice, whatever it may be, become more aware of your behavior and of your thought patterns in the present moment and couple that with this old indigenous saying about let us act in a way and think in a way in the present moment how do our decisions how do our actions affect the future seven generations to come and in doing so we can ask ourselves questions like is having my kids in government school going to help the future seven generations to understand freedom? Is taking the easy way out? Is having all of my money in a bank and not experimenting with alternative currencies? Is that, how is that going to affect the future generations to come, right? And as I'm gonna share in one of the other ways that we can create intergenerational freedom, it's up to us to, to build those systems, build those infrastructure, set the precedent so our children don't inherit all of this crazy manipulated nonsense top-down, hierarchical, fake. We live in a fake society. Fake food, fake Instagram posts, fake fiat manipulated money, right? Fake funny stock market propped up by fraud, fake healthcare solutions. It's all just like, oh my God, this is pretty crazy. And so if you go about your life, just going from here to there, the shuffle, the hustle and bustle, you're nine to five, grinding it out, you're so exhausted, you're so tired, struggling to make ends meet because you're not making good financial decisions or you're not taking responsibility for your financial circumstances for you and your family. And you just go about life doing the normal thing, doing the normal thing. You're not doing anything to change the course of history, if not for the mass of humankind, at least for you and your tribe. I'm a big firm believer in tribes. Like, if COVID showed us anything, it's that some people have absolutely lost their minds. And I don't know, I guess for a while now, even since the libertarian days and you know, doing Ron Paul activism, I realized I don't want to try to wake up or get 
50% plus one of the people to think like I do, people are crazy out there. And then people think that I'm crazy because we want to grow our own food and like get out of the city and we reject the new world order and great reset and all this stuff. But I mean, people really lost their minds and bought into some pretty hardcore programming and propaganda, and many of them are still holding true to that. So I just want to say that because whenever I think of my actions and what I can do and what we can build and the future we can create, I'm thinking about it in terms of myself, my family, and my community radiating out from in, uh, little circles, concentric circles. So first got to take care of yourself. It's the old adage of when you're flying in a plane, right? and the oxygen masks come down. You put your oxygen mask on first. You gotta have self-care, you gotta take care of yourself. Then you can take care of others on down the line, right? So when I think of my actions, I'm thinking of myself, my family, my kiddos, my fiance, my immediate family, my mom, my siblings, right? Their kiddos, and then the community. Of course, the struggle is oftentimes our own little families that we were born into sometimes don't go along with it. But I always encourage people, I know I'm rambling here, of course, but I always encourage people to to not sweat the small stuff and to really have gratitude for our family unit, whether they believe what we believe or not. A lot of people harm relationships by trying to force a red pill down people's throat. But as um, Morpheus said to Neo, you got, they gave him the choice of the red and the blue pill. You have to have, people have to choose the red pill or else you're going to tarnish that relationship. But family and then out to your community. So let us act in a way today so as to create more freedom for our children, for their children, and for the future seven generations to come. You've got to adopt mindfulness, right? So that's one piece of the pie in this first powerful and simple way. It's simple to understand that. It's not easy to implement it. But the next thing on this same vein, the same first bit, would be to think big. Think big. So think and act in a way where you're conscious of how your actions and your behavior impact the future seven generations to come. Secondly, let us think big, like just big, ambitious, crazy plans and visions and goals. Because what do they say? It's those crazy enough to change the world, that think they can change the world, are the ones that actually do, right? So think big. Let us, here's something that, you know, for someone that's just going along and they got the school, maybe it's big to start a homeschool co-op. Like, that's a big deal. That's something that we're going to be doing this semester coming up. We are currently trying to work out some details with a potential teacher. Super excited about that. But we're going to have a little two-day co-op program for our kiddos. They're already in another two-day pro a co-op program that they absolutely love. So we're going to get this to supplement them, teach them some stuff about entrepreneurship and stuff and the base level academics. But that's a big thing for some people. They're like, I don't know that I could possibly pull my kids out of government school because me and my significant other work 40 hours a week. How could we possibly pull it off? Well, think big. What if you started a little homeschool pod? And maybe you or your significant other teach one of the nights or one of the days or two, I don't know, and then maybe the other people teach the other days. Get yourself a little group of six or eight people. You can make it work. But I want to encourage you to take it even further. And let me share one of the visions that I have that ties in with all this homeschool summit and workshop stuff that we're doing. So maybe you've heard of the Freedom Cell Network. Let me hear from my Freedom Cell people there in the chats. I'm watching on Odyssey. I'm watching on YouTube here. I believe we also have some folks chiming, uh, watching along on Derek Bros's Conscious Resistance Network on both Rofkin and DLive. Let's try to check them out real quick. See how many people are tuning in there with us. 
I don't think we made it to the D Live, but we should be rocking on. Uh, check out theconsciousresistance.com uh, for a lot of really good work. Theconsciousresistance.com. Derek Bros really lays it down strong, and he's very, very, very active, and he's constantly pumping out really good content. So definitely want to stay tuned with the work that he's doing. All right, so we are live here. Shout out to the Rofkin audience. All right, uh, let me know who's in the Freedom Cell Network, my Freedom Cell family. We'd love to hear from you. So the Freedom Cell Network is a peer-to-peer -peer group of freedom-loving people that are focused on solutions. There's now 33,000 plus of us stretched all across the globe. So I'm part of this community, and one of the things that I aim to do, again, this is big think, thinking in terms of the future generations, I would like to, shout out Michelle D in the Freedom Cell Network, I would like to create a Central Texas Freedom Cell school district of sorts. I was blown away. We just bought a 10-acre homestead, and the freaking property tax on that thing is pretty exorbitant, and a huge, significant chunk, over half of the property tax, is going to subsidize the local school district, which my kids don't go to. And then people are like, well, your kids don't go to government school, but it, we're really what we're doing is we're helping the community. It's to benefit the collective society so our children can be educated and raised up to be productive human beings, to contribute to the tax base and contribute to a nice, happy, fruitful society. I think that's total bogus garbage. And as I'll share my next point, the government schools are perhaps mostly responsible for the tyranny that we see today because they are creating folks that struggle to challenge the status quo. I myself am a product of government schools. There's always an exception to the rule, right? And maybe government schools are for some people. There's some people that are really close to me whose kids are absolutely thriving in government school and it resonates with them and it works for them and they're in all the sports and it's just their vibe, right? But for people that value freedom, it's not the thing to do. If you know what I'm saying. Word up, Joshua Hale in the house, fresh back from Porkfest. Shout out Autonomy Unlimited and the Autonomy Crew. Richard Grove, uh, who works along with my good friend Joshua, will be presenting at the Live Free Academy Free the Children Homeschool Summit. All right, but I digress. So I digress a lot when we're ranting and raving here for an hour straight. So I have this big vision, right? Think big intergenerationally. I have a big vision to create a homeschool district, a Freedom Cell school district of sorts. I'm hearing that I got low audio here. Does anybody else say low audio? Joshua, if you're watching, let me know if the audio is low. I know you're good with all that stuff. So the idea is, what if we create our own decentralized school network, school district of sorts, right? What if we pool our resources, voluntarily of course, no taxation, so you, let's imagine in the Central Texas area, we have over 750 Freedom Cell people on our Telegram group. That's kind of the metric that we use. Not all of them are active. Not all of them are even in Central Texas. But whenever we host a meetup, if it's a social meetup, having a good time down by the river, some people are drinking some booze, we'll get like 125 people to show up. If it's just a meetup, getting people together, sharing some ideas, workshop kind of stuff, we'll get 50 to 60 people. But let's say for the sake of argument, there's 250 people that are part of the community. I think there's actually quite a bit more because we got all sorts of small groups and groups within the groups and regional groups, this, that, and the other. So we got hundreds of people. A lot of them have their kids in government school. Many of them are doing the co-op thing, right? And what if we started working together with a definiteness of purpose, to borrow from Napoleon Hill, a collective definiteness of purpose, 
we have our eye on the prize and what we want to do is everything in our power to empower those parents that are homeschooling, to help spur the creation of other homeschool pods, and to help subsidize and support private schools that are of like mind, okay? What if we could do that? I'm gonna boost my audio here just a little bit for you guys, although it might be a little inconsistent. We can master it after the fact. Oh, well, that's probably an issue. We have to automatically adjust the volume. Okay, I digress. Or pardon that for just a second. Okay, so what if we could all pull our resources? Some people in the community may be more successful financially than others. Some people may be less successful. The people that don't have the extra money, instead of chipping in, they could go teach some of the kids. They could show up. They could volunteer to build the new schoolhouse, right? And remember, this is a decentralized thing. So it's not just, we're going to send all the kids in the area to one school. We're going to create one school, right? It's you're homeschooling your kids, what can we help you with? You guys started a homeschool pod, you have 12 kids in that pod, what do you guys need support with? These guys created a private school and they want to build a greenhouse on the property. Okay, the guys with money, let's chip in to make that happen. Maybe you have one central entity, maybe it's a private membership association, a 501c8, maybe it's done on the crypto thing, although, I don't know, if you're part of the membership program, livefreemembership.com, we're going to talk about cryptocurrency tomorrow, but the whole DeFi thing, a lot of stuff's getting deleveraged and stable coins are being decoupled from their peg and it's crazy, crazy, crazy. So maybe we won't do a crypto DAO for now until that all becomes a little more mature, but whatever. Maybe we'll just pull the, fr the freaking money and put it in. Somebody could hold on to the cash underneath. Who cares? It could be a business, whatever. The money comes in. We support the common projects, and the people that are participating are conscious and aware. Again, they're thinking big. They're thinking of the future seven generations. They know that by them supporting financially or by them putting some sweat equity into the deal, it's going to greatly benefit the next generation. They're going to be raised up with values instilled in them, freedom, success, entrepreneurship, mindfulness, questioning authority, thinking outside the box, innovative, critical thinking, right? So that's the big vision that I have, and that's something that we're going to roll out. It takes a lot of time. That's where the whole team thing comes in, right? But that's a big vision that I have. So I want to encourage you to think big like that. Don't just think in terms of what can I do for my family, but think in terms of what can I do to contribute to the success of the future generations to come before me. Now, I don't know if you uh, have looked outside of your door lately, ladies and gentlemen, but things are getting pretty freaking crazy out there. We had the traditional tyranny for quite some time, taxation, over-regulation, police state, the surveillance state, you name it, war on drugs. But now there's this weird technocracy thing where these psychotic, manipulative, social engineering freaks want to basically control every single aspect of our lives. It's absolutely nuts, right? And they are marching the ball down the field at a pretty fast rate. So it's fundamental, if you care about freedom, if you care about the lives that your children will have, imagine how things are now, right? Thankfully, in the US at least, we have like American federalism and there's some conservative states over here and the Democrat states are over here and there's folks like DeSantis that are bucking the system and then there's all these country folk and make America great people that are just like, and all us libertarians and free thinkers, we're just like, we're not going along with that stuff. No. And it kind of er, puts a little, puts a wrench in their gears. But this is a, the big think, the multi-generational, the enemies of liberty and the conspirators, they have those plans and those aims too. And you could bet your bottom dollar your bottom Satoshi, that they most definitely are thinking big and thinking intergenerationally. 
right back to Richard Grove. He's going to be presenting at the Free the Children Homeschool Summit. If you're just joining us, you can register for free. It's taking place July 14th. You can register at livefree.academy slash free the children. Livefree.academy slash free the children. Richard Grove is one of the best folks at breaking down and analyzing. Derek Bros too. He just interviewed Richard Grove as part of his uh, Pyramid of Power documentary series. But they've documented and they're fully aware of this intergenerational, 100-plus-year conspiracy to create a totalitarian, centralized global government, right? And so all these folks are like, well, I'm going to get active and do my thing by voting, or we got to get our guy in office in the, in the primaries, whatever, the midterm election, blah, 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 or I'm going to share this on that on social media. Meanwhile, the folks on the other team are like, what can I do with my billions? What kind of plans can I write? I'll create tax-exempt foundations. I'll lay out my plans in my last will and testament, like Cecil Rhodes, the Rhodes Scholarship, all these big programs. They've all been played out, right? Like secret society groups. They're thinking intergenerationally. So I want you to think that too. I've shared this before. We need to create our own Illuminati of Liberty. I don't know, maybe the Freedom Cell Network is that, although we'll do ours in the open because we like light. Their darkness, their dece deception, fraud, manipulation, social engineering. We're just like, hey man, freedom works. Decentralization creates resiliency. Let's experiment with these new ways where people honor one another's inherent sovereignty, bodily autonomy, and their right to exist, right? That's what our thing is, right? But we got to get out of this little moment. We got to stop playing defense too. Everyone's like, COVID lockdown, let's, the war in Ukraine, all the woke stuff, and everyone's constantly, their lives are being dictated by their enemies. They're not being proactive. So I want to encourage people to be proactive, to think big, and to think intergenerationally. What can we do today? Let's put some plans in place. Let's make some shit happen. Okay. An example of that, again, is this big school district thing. So it's like, change the way you think. What can I do to benefit my family? Me personally, we're starting this homeschool co-op, me and my lovely fiance. That's to benefit my kids and some, a local group of kids here, Central Texas. Not a whole lot of kiddos, a little small thing. I'm like, okay, that's me. That's the family. Now what, we can, what can we do to benefit the community now and the future generations to come? All right, what if we form this school district? And that school district, it can be a loose affiliation, a coalition of families and supporters of the local Freedom Cell Network. But what can we do to help pave the way for all this good stuff to take place for our kiddos and for the future generations to come. So we're breaking down four ways, simple yet powerful ways. Simple, not easy. Simple yet powerful ways for you to create intergenerational freedom. All right, let's go on to number two. And this one's the obvious one. The pull your kids out of government school. Malcolm X once said, only a fool would let his enemy educate his children. Of course, he was talking about the white American man educating the young black youth, right? And that's one thing, you know, like, the, I'm, I'm hip to the whole black separatist thing. I think people, if they want to, based on race, culture, religion, freedom, whatever it may be, we should be able to decouple ourselves from the broader society and most definitely from the government in general. But nonetheless, if you value freedom, if you're a libertarian, if you're a free thinker, if you know about this whole conspiracy, this great reset, whatever it may be, then I got to tell you, it's foolish to have your kids in government school. Let's talk a little bit about the history of government education, right? So there's a te school teacher named John Taylor Gatto, 
got fed up with it all, started exposing the truth, digging down, and doing a lot of research into it, right? This isn't my area of expertise, but I know the basics, but I hope you'll join us as Richard Grove will break it all down in depth for us on July 14th. But essentially, it goes like this. The U.S., I think there was a guy named Horace Mann. Is that who it was? Horace Mann in Massachusetts? Maybe I know more than I'm letting on. Horace Mann Public School. They started public schools up in the Northeast, and... Yeah, schoolhouse pioneer, Horace Mann. And what they did was they based it on this model from Prussia, right? This is like around the Germany area, right? This Prussian model. And the model of school, it wasn't liberal arts. It wasn't let's create critical thinking, free human beings that recognize their power and are empowered to go change the world. No, it was let us create good citizens that recognize their place in society, subservient to the ruling class, subservient to the state, and along the way, the Industrial Revolution was starting to pop off, and all these governments are like, we need to compete with these other powers, we're concerned, we're insecure. There's so much terrible things that have happened in this world because of insecure, megalomaniac rulers. A lot of terrible things, and they're like, whoa. We got to go and take over Afghanistan just so Russia doesn't. We got to do this so the Chinese don't. It's all just insecurity. People should just let it be, man. And so they're like, we need to be able to keep up economically with these other states and these other superpowers that are emerging, these other little empires, right? So let us raise generations of children to be able to fill the factory, understand their place in society, in the economy, and let us create a big giant economic machine so eventually we could create war machine if we need to in order to compete with these freaks. That's what it's all about. That's what it was built upon. And that didn't really go away. Think about your childhood school experience. Having to raise your hand in order to go to the bathroom. I remember I, I was doing this in part as a clown, but I would always ask why. And why wasn't very popular with the teachers asking why. Yeah, but why is that? Oh, and then they give the textbook answer. Oh, yeah, but why? Right? And so there's this tendency in government schools to mold children into an automaton-type being. And the conformity isn't just top-down from the administration to the teacher to the child. It's also amongst the children themselves. It's an ugly place, man. I was both the bully and I was bullied. And I could tell you when I was bullied, it, I pulled back on being a bully because it certainly didn't feel good, right? Especially kids these days, they're all jacked up, all effed up, treat each other like absolute garbage. Now, I'm not going to lie. My kids went to a private school for a little while. They go to a homeschool co-op now. The kids pick on each other sometimes there, but it's, I don't know. There's just something about the government school culture and experience that's just really ugly. And so you have the kids trying to get the ones that step outside the box that are a little bit weird, peculiar, whatever, they get bullied and it's just like, you gotta be like this or else you're weird and different. And then people are insecure and the parents were insecure and the parents are passing on that trauma to the kids. And it's like, it's just not good. It's not good. I got in trouble my entire school experience. I excelled in certain classes, knocked it out of the park. I remember my uh, algebra teacher in high school thought I was cheating because I was late for class, didn't show up for class often because it was in the morning. I would like sleep in, but I still got like a 98 on the test. And he's like, this mother is cheating here. I was like, no, I just know the material. I don't need to spend so much damn time here figuring stuff out. Um, 
And then there's this tendency to teach to the test, too, these academic tests. And when I was a kid, it was called the TOS, Texas Assessment of Academic Standards. Now it's tax, tax, whatever. It's like the funding is dependent on that. Government funding, too. The schools are failing. Lots of kids are illiterate. And then they're like, let's give the schools more money. That'll solve the problem. Look at who the heroes are in the schools, all over the walls. It's the presidents. And it would be nice to exist in a space where it's like, wow, the president, they did great things. They led the free world, quote unquote, right? But that's not the case. 99.9% .9 of these guys are total ass clowns that have harmed millions of people through their policies and their control. Not to mention, almost every single one of them part of these little secret society roundtable groups have British royal bloodline. It's all the same rulers that are running the game for hundreds of years. Back to the big thing. That's how we got to rule, but not ruling other people, living free and building these decentralized systems. So if you want to create intergenerational freedom, you got to think big. You got to think intergenerationally, future seven generations. Got to pull your kids out of government school. What are some alternatives? Well, let's talk about it. You got private schools. There's alternative types of private schools. Waldorf is one of them. Rudolf Steiner, incredible thinker, incredible human being on all sorts of different subjects, not just childhood education and development. Uh, we did this Waldorf curriculum for quite some time. There's an emphasis on nature. There's an emphasis on natural order, on natural toys, less screens. There's a nice flow. There's a lot of child-led to it. Uh, my kiddos were in a Reggio Emilia private school for a little while. That is an Italian-based childhood learning education system that was created after World War II when the this folks in this Italian village were like completely disillusioned and were like, oh my God, how did, what just happened there? We need to fix things. And so it brings in the village, it brings in the family, and it brings the children together. The environment is a big teacher. Uh, that was a pretty cool experience. There's all sorts of schooling methodologies that, in my opinion, are much preferable to the government school one-size, top-down, one-size-fits-all. Um, ethos, right? What else do we have? We have Waldorf. Uh, you have unschooling. We'll stick to the private school. What other things are there? There's Waldorf, Reggio Emilia, uh, Montessori, right? Montessori teaches a lot of home schools, uh, home skills, right? So there's all sorts of different private schools. And chances are, if you live in a decently populated area, there's some of these schools in your area. Now, I will say, it can be a challenge to find schools these days that buck the system. During the whole COVID thing, right? My kids had to move out of their private school, and so I'm like, I need to get a good school for the kiddos. Where are the freedom schools? Where are some folks that get it and then aren't going to require masks, this, that, and the other? So I found a school. I thought it was cool. It was like a hippie school. They're all about naturalism and all about nature and mindfulness and permaculture, and they had all these great bed, these great gardens and stuff all over the property. And I was like, okay, well, what's the COVID policy? And they said, well, the kid, we do most of our education outside now. And the kids only have to wear masks if they can't social distance. So I was like, okay, maybe this is one of those things where the businesses put up the signs just as platitudes because they don't want to cause any trouble or have the mob come after them, right? So I was like, okay, it's a natural school. There's got to be something, you know, it should be cool. Let's give it a try. So my daughter went there for a week and turns out that they most definitely were not laissez-faire about it. And in fact, they did this stupid thing where if the kids were within an arm's length of one another, they had to wear a mask even if they were outside. It was getting cold, so they're like, it's too cold to be outside, let's go inside. But because of COVID, they had to keep the doors open. So it was like nearly freezing temperatures, and they had the doors and windows open. 
and then on top of that, it, w there were some teachers that were more laissez-faire, but there were others that were, they must have been Joe Biden voters or whatever, obviously crazy about the COVID stuff, brainwashed, manipulated, socially engineered about it to live a fear-based life. Can you believe people are still living in fear and still wearing the masks and stuff, even though it's basically died down? It's, it's nuts. But the big kicker, and again, she only went there for a week, and I was like, I can't do this to my kid anymore. She didn't want to do it anyway. It's got to work. There's a lot of, you know, like, as a parent, we're leaders, but it also needs to work for the child, or else then you have to force them into it, and there's all sorts of resistance, and it isn't natural, and it defies our freedom ethos in general, right? But there is a semblance of leadership, right? So I was trying to lead, see how this works. Let's at least give it a try. And it turns out that the kids were ragging on each other about the mask and stuff, too. The kids started policing one another, and my daughter noticed that. She was like, no, this is not cool. They have all the windows open, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, we did that for a week and then bucked that. It's a challenge to find schools, private schools, that get it. But you know what? Like I said before, nobody said it was going to be easy, and sometimes you got to go out and build the damn thing yourself. It's exactly what happened here in Central Texas, an incredible space to be if you love freedom. There was a Waldorf school that had been long running for decades, and that Waldorf school went extreme COVID, crazy, masking, all sorts of crap. So there were some families that broke away and started their own Waldorf school, and it started off small and scrappy, but it's since turned into a pretty big deal. So sometimes you gotta make it, you gotta do it yourself. All right, so there's private schools. Uh, then you have homeschooling, right? So homeschooling can take many different forms. We're going to break all this stuff down. We're going to share a lot of valuable insights. I hope that you'll join us again. You can register for free for the Free the Children Homeschool Summit. Talk about unschooling, talk about different methodologies, talk about the history of government education. It's going to spend some time on the problem, but as we do with the whole Live Free thing and the Greater Reset and Freedom Cells, we'll spend 90, 80% of the time focused on solutions, right? So homeschooling, you can get yourself a curriculum. You could do the Ron Paul curriculum. You could do a Waldorf curriculum like we did. You could do a more of a rigid thing. Maybe you're into the Christianity thing. A lot of homeschoolers are, and historically that's where a lot of homeschooling took place in, in Christian families. You can do the homeschool. You can come up with your own homeschool. One thing that we like to do is we like to bring the kids along with us through life. And just recently, they've done a couple tables at some events, the Ex and Build Land Summit that we did. And then we went up to the Self-Reliance Festival up north. And they hosted their own booth, and they have their own little business. My son sells succulents. My daughter sells gems and stones and little chakra blade bracelets. And then also, they sold some of our little USB sticks that have the courses I've done and all sorts of stuff there. Uh, to people. There was a $200 product that they were selling to people. And I tell you what, that's not something they're going to teach you in school. They're not going to teach you how to sell. They're not going to teach you how to overcome objections. They're not going to teach you to go out and get the sale. By the end of the event, my, my son, everybody that walked by, hey, can I interest you in some plants? Can I interest you in some plants? I was so proud of the guy because one of the guys was like, came over and was like, oh, what's this? And my son's like, and my daughter, they're like, well, you know, it's the Exit and Build Land Summit replay. There were over 30 speakers talking about homesteading and growing food. It was a really incredible event that my dad and my stepmom put on. So you can get all of the replays on that video. So do you want to pay with cash or card? And when went and asked for the sale, just like we had taught him, it was, it was cool. But that can be homeschooling. That's more like unschooling too, right? So homeschooling, teaching the kids directly. And it doesn't have to be sit down at the table from 9 to 3 o'clock. This is how we're doing it. In all reality, the kids only need a few hours of the academic stuff. Everything else can be fun and fluid and life-led learning, which leads us to unschooling. Now, there's radical unschooling, which we tried for a little while when my kids were much younger, and it, do, 
that ended up not serving my family. And then there's unschooling. Radical unschooling is like very laissez-faire, total freedom. The kiddos, if they want to spend all day on their technology, they can. Oftentimes, they're very free when it comes to whatever you eat. And I just think that children thrive with more leadership, in my view. There's a balance. There's a middle path, right? And then you have unschooling, which is more like child-led learning, life-led learning. The parent acts as a facilitator to determine what the child's interests are. And then they bring together resources, tools, uh, curriculums, opportunities to learn reading, writing, arithmetic, science, history, learn around what the kids are interested in. So there's some options. So again, we've talked about big picture thinking, we've talked about thinking for the future seven generations, how do our actions today affect the future seven generations to come. And I shared, if you want to create intergenerational freedom, you got to pull your kids out of government school, and you got to do one of these other alternatives. If you value freedom, you got to do it. We're putting together some resources to help you to do just that if you're not sure exactly where to go. The third thing I want to hit on is we got to raise our children and we got to like respect our children. Now that's something that it's been a challenge for me, right? Because we've been peaceful parents, never laid a hand on my kids. I do not believe in spanking in the least bit. I think using violence, and that is what hitting a child is. It's a violent act, but whatever. Don't use the word violence if you don't want to. Hitting children, spanking children, striking children, paddling children, whatever you want to call it, using force in order to teach them that their behavior is not right is just showing them that force is an acceptable means of behavior modification. So if a child grows up their entire life having force used against them in order for them to do A, B, or C, it's not going to be that out of the ordinary when the law enforcement officer or the state uses force against them in order to do A, B, and C. But if you reject that altogether, then they'll never buy into that in the first place. just want to throw that out there. I strongly encourage parents to be peaceful parents. I've said in the past, peaceful parenting is about, what was it? It's not, don't use condemnation and coercion. Instead, use compassion and curiosity. And again, you've got to take a big, hard look in the mirror. 99 times out of 100, the child's behavior is in some way dependent on the way that you are behaving. So you got to put a big mirror on, right? And again, I have a, my family, my, me and their mom split, right? So there's two households. So it definitely gets a lot more complicated in those instances. But if it's you and your significant other, or you and their mom, and y'all are still together, and the kids spend all of their time with you, or when they're younger, it's time with people that you choose they're going to spend time with, right? And you manifest and you attract people that are like you. So if you're positive, uplifting, spiritual, meditation, yoga, healthy, you're not argumentative, you're not fighting, you're not drunk all the time, you're not cussing all the time, you're not fighting with a significant other, you don't hang around with people that aren't on a, the, on a positive wavelength, then you'll find around you and around your kids, there's going to be positive people too, right? And so you've got to recognize that when a kid's acting, especially when they're younger. Now, this all changes too. Like when a child's much younger, and it's just you raising the kiddo, two, three-year-old, four-year-old. It's all you, man. They are you, literally, and spiritually, metaphysically. They're literally your DNA code, you and your significant other, you and their parent. That's their code. It's a genetic encoding, so that all comes out in them and their expression of their being, and then the environment that you raise them in and the manner in which you communicate with them, the energy that you impart upon them 
has to do with the rest of their upbringing. If you're a peaceful person, easy going, right, then they're going to be pretty chill and easy going, most likely. But if you're edgy, always all riled up about something, losing your temper, arguing with your significant other, cussing, raising your voice, then that's going to be the way that they're going to behave. And so then the challenge is for a child, when mom and dad are fighting, blah, 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 butting heads all the time, saying ugly things to each other, and then brother and sister are saying ugly things to each other, and you're like, what are you doing? You can't do that. How, you go to your room, whatever. Then it's like, wait a second, dad, where the hell do you think they modeled it from? Maybe you should spend more time focused on your behavior and how you can model better behavior, right? Everyone's like, discipline. We need to discipline our children. Well, look at the root word of, the, of discipline. It's disciple. I don't even know if that's true, actually. Let me look that up. What is the root of the word? I think that's what it is. It sure sounds good if we say it that way. Discipline. I think it's disciple. Uh, root word is disciple. Yeah, so think about Jesus Christ. He, was a, he had disciples. The disciples followed him. They followed his teaching. They followed his example, right? Walk like Jesus is a thing that people say. What would Jesus do? So you truly want discipline for your children, then allow them to be your disciples and lead by example. Use persuasion, share about them what the consequences of certain actions are, and sometimes let them experience the natural consequences of their actions. Instead of arbitrarily spanking or using threats and rewards and punishment, right? So if you want to create intergenerational freedom, we need to raise these kids to be free beings and we need to respect their life now there's some people that believe in partnership parenting and it's like the parent and the child are equal right we're all equal every single human being on this earth has self-worth and you know a right to exist right but you have the privilege of wisdom as an adult so one thing that me and my ex came up with was like a protectorate i'm not the authority over them I'm not the government over them. I'm not their ruler, but I'm their protectorate. It's actually what G. Edward Griffin said the proper role of government should be, the role of a protectorate. I don't think there should be any government whatsoever. There is no proper role of government. But when it comes to a relationship with the child, it's like I'm the leader and the protectorate. And I always tell the kids, like, I'm the captain of the ship. And they would rebel against that mutiny on the ship. You're not the captain of the ship. We're our own captains. I was like, okay, fine. Well, how about this? I'm the admiral of the Navy, and you guys can have your own ship. But if you want to go wander off into stray waters and deal with pirates and deal with treacherous waters without the wisdom of somebody that's uh, sailed this sea for 37 years now, 37, 38, 38, I don't know, 38, I think 38, 38 years now, then you better roll with my Navy because we got some good stuff going on in the Navy. We got a house, we got food, we got some cool TVs and video games, we got a garden going in the outside, we go do fun things, right? It's good to be in this Navy, you little punk. <laughs> so just want to throw that out there. Like, it's one thing to homeschool or to pull the kids out of government school. But if you treat your kids like shit, if you manipulate them, if you spank them especially, it's not going to, you're not doing good, in my opinion. I don't want to judge anyone, whatever. People were spanked. They're like, I was spanked. I turned out right. I spanked my kids. Like, did you turn out right if you're striking a five-year-old? I don't know. I'm not judging when I say this, but I do want to be deliberate and speak frankly to folks. You got to think about that. Don't get defensive. I mean, whatever. Get defensive if you want, but think. Like, think about spanking. Is that really the best way to cheat a child? You know? Is it?
perhaps there's other ways. I would argue, right, if you have to strike your child in order to get them to change their behavior, then you're in much less control than you think. True control is like, you're like zen out and you're like doing some judo here and the kids are like, like one good, you know, I don't want to call it a trick, but a good method is like, you give the kids a choice. This is something Bluebird mentioned. I did a video with her recently. I need to publish it actually. It's on my phone. So you give the kids a choice. So it's like, do you want to have broccoli or a salad for dinner? I learned that with my son. Oftentimes my son, like when it's like time for bed, son, let's go ahead and turn off the screens, this, that, and the other. We try to do reading before bed, but they still bump up with the screens. That's one thing too. Like kids are struggling to go to sleep. All right, well, do they have screens on? Is that blue light going on? Is there, are they energized with video games or whatever? You gotta be conscious of this in the moment, right? And I'm not by any means purporting to be a perfect parent in the least bit. But I learned my son's like, just 10 more seconds, dad. And I realized like, oh, he wants to be in control of his own circumstances, right? So it's like, okay, I'll give him the 10 seconds, right? Or just two minutes, dad, I just wanna do this, whatever, okay. When you try to intervene and take over the control, right? So they feel like they're being controlled. My son especially, he really does not like to feel as though he's being controlled. So there's ways around it, right? Okay, go ahead, son, two minutes, then we're done, right? I've also learned like, when you got something to go or something's going on, the kids are doing something, you don't just come in and say, okay, stop now, right? You do a little five minute warning kind of deal. But it's the same thing. What do you guys want to, are you guys open for some dinner tonight? This or this, two healthy choices, right? But even then, it's always give and take, it's always about balance. Sometimes we learn like, damn, there's a period when the kids were so freaking picky about food. It was also while I was going through a divorce and there was a lot of uncertainty you got to just have mindfulness and consciousness about some of this stuff, guys. If you do a little bit deeper of an analysis about things, you're like, why are the kids so ungrateful about food or pushing back about food and they don't want to eat this or that and they want to pick something else or whatever? They don't want to eat the dinner. Okay, what's going on in our lives? Their parents are divorcing. That's got to be incredibly stressful. There's all these changes and shifts that we don't know what the parenting plan is going to be like. We don't know what that's going to look like. Uncertainty. So, of course, they're trying to control as much of their life as possible. So if you can recognize that, being a conscious parent, oh, shit, me and their mom freaking split up and now there's all this drama in our lives about what's going to happen moving forward. That's stressful for me, an adult that has better emotional faculties to deal with those situations and I'm freaking out about it. Of course, my kids are going to have a hard time with it. Maybe I should give a little bit of leeway. Maybe I should be a little more compassionate about what they're going through, shift instead of an authoritarian, like, no, you better eat this or whatever, flow with it a little bit more. All right, All right I'm ranting and raving. All right, so we talked about three things so far. Think big, think intergenerationally. Ask yourself how your behaviors and your choices, your decisions and your actions affect the future generations to come. Big think, love it. Two, pull your kids out of government school, homeschool, private school, unschool. Three, Raise your kids in a nice, compassionate way as a peaceful parent. Don't be an authoritarian, arbitrary person with them. You can pull your kids out of government school and still spank them and treat them like crap, and that's not really going to raise free, sovereign human beings that have self-worth and that believe in themselves. And gonna have, a lot of that's going to have to get done and undone with therapy, right? And the fourth piece, to create intergenerational freedom. Let us build the systems and the infrastructure today so our children never have to inherit the problems and the manipulative fake systems that we have grown accustomed to. Perfect example. My kiddos don't have social security numbers. 
And that was a deliberate choice. And it's kind of a bummer because I don't claim them as dependents, right? Uh, but I'd rather them have the opportunity to live truly free lives, an opportunity that I never had, than save a few thousand bucks on my income taxes every year. Another thing, on that same note, my dad would always give me a hard time about that, right? I should note one quick story too. My dad, like, we bring the kids to my parents and we're like, okay, we do this peaceful parenting thing. You know, we try to honor them and respect them and we don't yell at them, we don't spank them, we don't do the timeout, right? My parents are like, oh, this is kind of weird for us because we most definitely were not like that, right? My parents are great parents, love them to death. And I think you could tell a lot about how a parent treated the children based on the relationship that they have as adults. I absolutely love and adore my parents and we spend time together and we laugh together and we hang out together and it's awesome. But they were like, this is weird. We're used to just controlling the whole scene and, and ruling with a little bit of fear but a lot of control, right? And so we had to, you know, coach them with my kids. But I remember something that stuck with me still to this day. My dad said, all right, John, we're going we're gonna to do it your way with your kids when we watch them. But whenever they're older, whenever they're 10, 12, 15, 8, 9, I want you to think back and say if this was the best way to parent, right? And so sure enough, you know, we're doing the little unschool, peace, total peaceful parent, kind of radical unschooling thing when they're 2, 3, and 4. Definitely a lot easier. And they grow up 8, 9, and 10, and it's like, whoa, you're right, Dad. That's why, again, I, I advocate for the middle path. This is something I learned from my good friend Justin Armand. Another quick story, too. I'm going to get to that piece I was just about to share about the building the systems. But it's like we got some coaching from someone that's a radical unschooling advocate early on. It's a good lesson. I need to write this one down because this is good stuff here. And it was because my daughter was wet in the bed a lot when she was younger. I wonder if my kids are going to watch these videos when they're older. Like, Dad, why did you tell them I was wet in the bed? She was younger. She was wet in the bed a lot. She was banging on bottles, banging on bottles. It was her comfort thing. And then, too, again, why is my kid banging on bottles? Oh, because we had both of our kids really close apart. The first kid didn't fully get to completely finish breastfeeding because the other kid was banging on the chi-chis, right? So it's like, why is, what's going on there? Oh, why, is the kids, why do the kids fight so much today? Okay, maybe there's something there rooted in that early childhood where the older kid feels a little bit put out and pushed out by the younger kid that came in and intervened on her chi-chi time. That's stuff that sticks with kids. So I want to encourage you to be mindful and conscious and try to dig deeper, strike the radical root of why a kid may act away, why you act the way you do, why the culture acts the way that they do. And then it makes it easier to navigate around and try to fix things, not fix, but try to just live in more harmony. Anyway, so my daughter's wet in the bed, and we get some advice. I only spank my wife, the chief says. Now we're talking. Um, we get some advice from someone that's a radical unschooling advocate, and they said, well, and we're like, we're, we're exhausted, having to get up and fill the bottle, drinking so much bottles. It's the only thing that helps her go to sleep. And she's wetting the bed so much. And we were co-sleeping too, so it's a total pain in the ass. Big fan of co-sleeping when the kids are younger. That's another thing about the balance. I can't stop, I can't keep going on these little side quests here. So, uh, <laughs> so when you watch these shows, you get a glimpse of what goes on in my head because there's little tangents and side quests and Nine times out of ten, you get to go along them with me, but I'm recognizing that there's too many damn side quests. At the end of the program, we need to wrap up, so let me tell these little parables here. We get the advice, and the advice is from a radical unschooling advocate, well, why don't you just keep extra bottles in a cooler next to the bed? 
Then she can have the bottles and you don't have to get up out of bed so often. And have you ever heard of plastic sheets? That was the advice. So we tried that. We're, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We're new parents. We tried that. More bedwettings. The bedwettings will continue. So we go to some other parents. These actually are parents that were actually quite authoritarian. Love them to death. They have like eight or nine kids. I can't imagine having eight or nine kids. I don't know. I don't think you have to be authoritarian, but whatever. And I would always butt heads with the dad respectfully about spanking and stuff, right? So we go to them for advice. And the mom's like, your children are in need of leadership. Take the bottle away. No more bottles for baby at nighttime. It wasn't a baby either. It was like two or three years old, my daughter. Maybe it was 18 months or like two years or whatever. Don't give the baby the bottle at night. So we're like, okay, shoot, this goes against everything we thought. We thought we were freedom and give the children they want. We don't give my daughter the bottle and the bedwetting stops and we get a full night's rest. All right, so there's a middle path in there that I want to convey, a middle path. It's not total freedom, laissez-faire, what some call lazy parenting, and it's not authoritarian spank control completely. There's a middle path, and I like to call that path leading, being a leader, leading by example. It's what I try to do, and boy, is it challenging. Okay, back to the story, right? So we talked about our three things. Now the last thing is build those systems, build that infrastructure. So my kiddos don't have social security numbers. My dad's giving me a hard time about that. What are they gonna do when they need to open up a bank account, John? This was in 2011 when my daughter was born. And I said, you know what, dad? I have a feeling by the time my children come of age that we, the free people of this world, will have created some sort of alternative economic system to where they don't even need a bank right before I learned about Bitcoin. And now here we have an institution, a global decentralized currency system that allows people to exchange value with one another without any central authority, without needing a social security number. And wouldn't you know, my kids are already bought into it and absolutely love it. How about that? But it doesn't just have to be cryptocurrency. People have problems with that. There's some weaknesses here and there. Local barter system, entrepreneurship, Raise the kids up, build that network, build that infrastructure. So one of the most important things that we can do in order to create intergenerational freedom is create the counter-economic networks now so our children can do business, commerce, can fulfill their wants and needs, can purchase goods and services from other freedom people, from other freedom children, folks that won't think twice if the kid doesn't have a social security number. Case in point, Derek Bros. He is about as free as they come when it comes to adults, right? The guy's total aggress. In fact, the first cryptocurrency transaction I ever did was paying him Bitcoin because uh, he was writing for the Liberty Beat, a daily radio news service I was doing. This must have been 2013 or something. And he, I think it was 2012 actually, 2013, 20, 2012, 2013. He doesn't have a bank account, right? And so he's coming to find like, okay, I don't have a bank account. I don't have a regular income. I uh, use PayPal from time to time, use cryptocurrency a lot. So if I wanted to rent a home, they would want proof of income in the form of W-2s, pay stubs, right? They would also want to do a background check or a credit check using my social security number. So he's like, there's some challenges there. But the dude is proactive, and when he sees a problem, he doesn't just stop. He sees a problem and figures out how we can do a solution, right? Agris Reyes says, we can't be laissez-faire with kids. They enjoy structure, predictability, and schedules help. This is the truth. And I started off in my parenting journey on the opposite end of that. But I came to realize that, yes, the kids thrive in a structured environment. 
but it's got to be balanced. Like, create a safe container and then let them be free within that container, so to speak, right? But either way, Derek Bros is recognizing, we did a video on my YouTube channel, my Odyssey channel, scroll back down as well, we're at FlowFest, and he's like, we need to be conscious of these struggles that people are having because they're not bought into the system, and what can we do in order to overcome that? So let us build the community, the Freedom Cell Network. We freaking put it together. We're about to relaunch the website to make it even easier for you to connect with freedom people, to work on building community, solving common problems, working on common goals. Let's have such a diverse, successful network of people that when my kids, if they want to rent a house, and again, like you go back to the big thing, it's like, how about we're going to have a thousand acres? We'll just carve out a couple acres for my kiddos and they can, I'll just give them a loan and they could pay me for the tiny home that we build or the home that we build them, right? I'm not going to require them to have a social security. I'm not going to have, require them to have nothing. But if it's not me, let's build such a network to where, oh, they want to rent a house. Well, our good friend so-and-so owns an apartment complex in downtown Bastrop. So he, he knows me. He knows my kids. We've known him for the past 10 years. He'll rent to you without needing the social security thing. Or better yet, let's develop our own reputation system our own credit system, right? I mean, God knows the social credit score system, all that manipulative, funny money stuff, is, and the central bank digital currency stuff is all coming into play, the technocracy. But we gotta create this over here. And let's not just create it for us now, let's create it for the future generations to come. All right, let me invite you once again. We're coming up on our hour. Oh, look, it's uh, Lily Gazow says, anyone here want to share land in Washington state open to other Western states? If you haven't yet, I strongly encourage you to check out the Exit and Build Land Summit. The Exit and Build Land Summit, you can check out the four-day replay for free. For four days, you can watch the first two days for free of the summit at exitandbuildlandsummit.com, exitandbuildlandsummit.com. When you register, you'll be invited to take part and to join our private Telegram community with over uh, 2,000 people that are looking to do some similar things as you. Now, I want to encourage you to join us for the Free the Children Homeschool Summit. The Free the Children Homeschool Summit. It's taking place July 14th at 11 a.m. We're going to show you how government school is training kids to be docile, unthinking, and blindly obedient to authority, why radical woke teachers are obsessed with pushing all sorts of weird agendas, how homeschooling and educational alternatives can save kids from harmful indoctrination. We're gonna talk about the top five forms of homeschooling and alternative education. That's what Bluebird's put together. She's a homeschool mom of four. She's actually trained in education and she's done it on her own, perfect. We're gonna talk about strategies. We're gonna talk about all sorts of ways that you can go from here to there. If you follow my work, you know that I'm obsessed with strategy. How do we get from here to there? So if your kids are in government school now and you want to pull them out and do homeschooling or unschooling, we're going to help you show the way. We're going to demystify that path from government school to free kids where you can raise them, where you could teach them the values that you want to teach them, where they're not being raised by strangers. Right? Now, there's some government schools that do great jobs or some families that it works for, but if you value freedom, if you're a freedom person like I am, you've got to do something different. And what we want to do is help provide you with the tools and the knowledge and the inspiration and empowerment to go down that path because it's not as difficult as you may think. It just takes believing in yourself, having a solid strategy, finding the right people to work with, and taking massive action towards your goals. So please join us. You can sign up absolutely for free. 
at livefree.academy slash free the children. That's livefree.academy slash free the children. We'll get you all the links and everything to join us as well. Again, me and Bluebird are going to be teaching that one coming up July 14th, right around the corner. All right, let's sum up what we've talked about today. Folks, I'm going to be frank with you. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. It is getting ugly out there. Monetary manipulation, social engineering, lockdowns, mandatory this, that, crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Schools are getting freaking shot up by demented little kids that are all jacked up on serotonin reuptake inhibitors. It's not pretty. I don't want that for my kids. If you have children, I bet you don't want that for them. If you don't have children, I bet you have family and friends that have children. You don't want that for them. If you're planning on having children in the future, you probably don't want them to be raised in a world like this. So guess what? What do we do? Give up? Not have kids? Just allow our kids to be manipulated by woke socialist teachers? No. We get proactive. It's one of the seven habits of highly effective people. Be proactive. We recognize there's a problem out there. And instead of just being a victim, whining and crying on social media like so many people love to do, we step into our power. We recognize that we have the ability to change the world. And if not change the entire world for every single human being, all eight billion on this planet, we have the ability most definitely, beyond a reasonable doubt, to change our world. So I strongly encourage you to think about the future generations. What can you do today so as to increase the likelihood that your children, your children's children, and the future generations to come will be able to grow up in an environment that respects their inherent sovereignty, honors their individuality, recognizes their bodily autonomy, and frankly, isn't all whacked out and trauma-based. What can you do today? We're counting on you. We need you to join the effort to create a better world. We're recruiting people for the Freedom Cell Network to do just that. I want you to think big, outside the box. Don't just be concerned with you and your family, although that should be the primary concern, but also spend some of your time, energy, resources, money helping your surrounding community. Think big, think about big things. When I see government schools, these huge giant complexes, high schools, even in a small town like what I live in, there's this massive school off the side of the highway. You're like, wow, that costs a lot of money. It's been there for decades. It's just churning out kid after kid after kid. I think I want to build a freaking institution like that. An institution of free learning, an institution with MakerBot, 3D printed this and that, permaculture design courses for the 10-year-olds, right? Think big. My plan here in Central Texas is to create a school district where we pull resources, time, energy, and money, and we subsidize, we support, and we help those families that are homeschooling. We help build up the co-ops, and we help the private schools that are like-minded. That's my big thing, and I need you to think big, too. If you have your kids in government school, take the advice of Malcolm X. He said, only a fool would let the government would let his enemy educate his children. If you're a freedom person, if you like liberty, if you know about the conspiracies going on, he's talking about you having your kids in government school. Consider homeschooling. Consider private schools that are like-minded. Consider un unschooling, life-led learning, child-led learning. 
But it doesn't stop there. If we're going to raise our kids to be free, powerful, beautiful human beings, we can't just pull them out of government school and treat them like shit. We need to respect them and honor them. We need to lead them. We need not coerce them, manipulate them, spank them. You gotta recognize that inconsistency if you object to the police state, if you object to a cop striking an everyday citizen, if you reject to the media manipulating and propagandizing the public, and then you're the one spanking your kid or you're the one manipulating and socially engineering your kids. You gotta reject that. Not only do we need to pull them out of government school, we need to raise them in a peaceful way. And finally, let us create the institutions, the infrastructure, the framework, the systems, the economies, the communities that will enable our children to grow up and never enter into the system that we despise so much to this day. It's going to take a lot of hard work, but there's a lot of us that are on this wavelength, and together we can change the world. All right, this is John Bush. Thank you so much for listening to this extremely important Live Free Now show where I bring you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. I once again want to invite you to take part in the Live Free Academy Free the Children's Summit. It's taking place July 14th. It's absolutely free to attend. You can register today at livefree.academy slash free the children. Peace and freedom. I'm out. Thank you so much for joining.